So I'll start with one of my poems here. It goes, uh, Life is Happening Too Fast. <clears throat> Wobbling is like this. Shades of sleepiness, mind spinning, holding court with memories, body resisting, creaking, or so it was just hollering. Why did I come? How to begin again, knowing all about endings, knowing all about endings. Could it be so simple, letting go of everything? Starting to practice again, breath appears, where no breath was noticed before, life, life holding itself. These magical displays, breath enters this subtle relationship, giving and taking a wilderness of unforeseen chaos, reorganizing itself. Inhale, exhale, in, out. Looking carefully, close in, body, mind, be friends a sense of ease. I knew you came, I knew you came to awaken. Relaxing the center of this pleasant and unpleasant dance. Oh my, bell rings. Leaving this whole valley waiting. All disappearing and reappearing disappearing and reappearing. Heart, heart quivers. <clears throat> so tonight I want <clears throat> to explore uh, about the body, a little about fear and difficulties. These are kind of the, the essence of the pieces here. But I want to start, I, I like, you know, storytelling is always a uh, a fun part of uh, our our practice here, and um, one of the things you know, I mean, there's like 50 years, and um, but I always was kind of this adventurer who was, uh, you know, it was always something was always on the other side of the mountain, and so uh, over the years, uh, I've spent, you know, I've actually what done uh, 14 treks in the Himalayas from. Ladakh to Tibet to uh, Nepal, and um, you know I, I've I've enjoyed one of the things I've really enjoyed is do uh, you know the word pilgrimage? It's really this capacity to um, you know with curiosity we go uh, to a place uh, that through the centuries has been empowered. And uh, for me, uh, things like, uh, do you know Borbador in Indonesia? You know, it's like in the seventh century, there was this, uh, uh, it was once a pilgrimage spot for uh, India and China. And of course, uh, Indonesia once was uh, an all-Buddhist country uh, back long time ago. And out in the jungle, they built this phenomenal 
uh, jetty or uh, it is a monument, whatever you want to call it, but there sort of has the life of the Buddha carved in um, lava rock, and it's it's huge, you know, and. Um, so, and I was thinking, oh, then there's the 11 square kilometers in Burma of Sagang, which was the 10th and 11th century, uh, where uh, great, great uh, civilizations. Uh, we know Angkor Wat in Cambodia, you know. Uh, we know India, you know, with all of its, um, you know, it's kind of an ancient world that uh, has power. You know. So some years ago, one of the great power spots in the world uh, is uh, known as Kailash, and it is um, considered uh, for for religions the center of the world. And it is uh, in the Trans Himalayas, in the in the um, in kind of uh, from Western Nepal, you go up, you know, and. And I took a group some years ago, and I think it was, you, f- you have actually three different flights uh, leaving Kathmandu uh, to begin the trek up into uh, Tibet, you know. And uh, so that was, it was great, and, and uh, you know, we came down, the monsoon started, and it was kind of scary coming down. You know, the road was just, you know, leaving Tibet into Nepal was really pretty trashed. But uh, what I'm really talking about here is really fear, you know, that has kind of stayed with me in some ways. And kind of, in some ways, um, you know, fear is so, um, in some ways, so paralyzing, and yet it also uh, is uh, informative, you know. So I'll just tell a little story, because this was, um, I tried to organize another trip to Kailash. And um, the, the year I went, uh, there had been no other group for one and a half years that had been able to go up there. So uh, I kind of put a group together, and it was great, and I thought everything was going to work. And of course, in the last 30 days, uh, the Chinese shut it down, you know. So uh, we were, uh, the organization in, in Kathmandu said, well, we have another trek for you, Mustang. So I, I said, well, okay. I'd organized this where it was actually a kind of a, there was a, spiritual component of going to Kailash. Mustang, I didn't know. They just sort of, you know, handed us this itinerary, which uh, was a lot of walking, you know, um, and not so much, you know, practice-orientated. And so we, we did it. We just walked and walked and walked and walked and, you know, and we had all the incidents that happened with, you know, from dogs to uh, you know, strange places and all of it, you know. But uh, we just we came down. Um, this was kind of where the main airstrip is, where you fly out back to Pokhara. And I'd been I'd flown up there a few times. Um, and it's not no, it wasn't a big deal. It goes through the deepest canyon in the world. You fly through. Well, they have kind of kind of a road now. And uh, so the, the group leaders there, uh, the Nepalis said, okay, we'll, we'll get one of these four-wheel drive buses and we'll go down. And I said, oh, yeah, fine, that sounds okay. And the rains have started. And this incredible, you know, um, monsoon when it begins, it's, it's torrential, 
So uh, we drove down and um, we got to a place where there was a waterfall in the middle of the road, you know? And uh, I sat up front, and, and there, I remember there was a young girl, Meredith, she was the youngest woman, and she got out and she ran, you know? And I said, well, you know, my job was to get people home, you know? And um, so this was, uh, there was a waterfall coming down, and there was, you know, I don't know how much water, you know, maybe a foot and a half water, and, and just rock. And uh, so I was sitting up with the bus driver, and... Uh, I said, can you do this? And, and he kind of went, well, you know. Uh, and, and, but one of the things was, uh, you know, uh, one thing, when you're responsible for a lot of people, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a big deal. You know, it's one thing to be on the trip. It's another being responsible for people on that trip. And I had to make a decision, you know, were we going to attempt this or were we going to have to go back? And I said, let's do it, you know. <laughs> And in the process of doing that, um, you know, which I never really said anything about it, but, uh, but what happened was we actually went through and there was one rock and there was a 40-foot drop over this waterfall down. And we just, 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 nobody could see it but me and the driver. We just kind of, it's, the, the thing slid kind of off and we got through. Otherwise, of course, I wouldn't be here. Maybe somebody else would be here. You know. Um, but it, if you know, it's like fear is so funny because then suddenly, you know, I, I contracted and I went, "What the hell am I doing?" You know, I've been running these trips for, you know, 15 years or so, and it's always been risky. But suddenly, it, it dawned on me. You know, you don't mess with the Himalayas, you know? And um, so it was this thing of like, oh, I contracted. And it was actually traumatic because I, I, it, it really entered my dreams in the sense of just this one rock and this waterfall and this thing of tipping over and going down, you know? And so I've really had to, un I haven't done a trip since then. That kind of uh, kind of cured me of, uh, you know, of um, somewhat the dangers of, of doing it, you know. Maybe, you know. But the thing is that really in these practices when we come, we're going to, we bring with us, you bring your whole life with you, you know. And you come here and you sit down and uh, one of the uh, kind of interesting phenomena you've probably come across by now uh, is old stories, you know? And uh, things that have, um, you know, in some ways, the, the, the longer you do these retreats, it, it, it's sort of like a, it's like an elevator going down. And uh, so, and there's material there that in some ways they talk about this practice as, as, as an untangling process. You know, so you're going to untangle it. And some of it, uh, it takes a little while. You know, it's not immediate. But it does untangle, you know. And that's really the fundamental. Sometimes you think, oh, here I'm telling this story, you know, for the umpteenth time. But in a way that this, you know, this capacity to 
be present and aware and uh, mindful uh, has this incredible power. Uh, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh calls it the power of mindfulness, has this power to actually begin to, you know, in a sense, give it space, you know. And the contraction is not so much there. And that is the beginning of these practices. You know, it's this, in a sense, kind of titrating this uh, ability to release what has been held, you know. So, how do we hold? You know, and uh, the really the fundamentals of holding, uh, we think of it as, you know, we store stuff in the mind, but actually we store it in the body, you know. And so this body is, it's, you know, it is the reciprocal uh, of, of all your stuff, you know. And, you know, I, I was in a boarding school, and I was like, a, you know, five or six, and, five and a half, six in, in Switzerland. And... Um, it was traumatizing, you know. Uh, I was traumatized, you know. And I remember just being separated and having to somehow, you know, shore myself up. And I think, you know, in some ways, uh, we, we all do this in different ways, you know, uh, when we're young. And not everybody. Some of you had really good families and everything went well. But, you know, I'm not going to ask for hands, you know. Um, but the rest of us, you know, had uh, situations. You know, sometimes it was abandonment issues, sometimes it was uh, anger, fear, uh, all the kind of things that created uh, this uh, contractedness uh, that was actually placed somewhere. And from these practices, uh, we can say they're placed, uh, they actually are stored uh, Somewhat in the mind, but the body is the place that has created these contractions and holds them, you know. I had one incident, I remember I was in Burma sitting for, I'd been sitting for three weeks or something like that. And um, it was a different system, this. And so there were all Burmese and there was, uh, was me sitting, and they put me up front, you know, on, on the side there. And, um, and, you know, they can sit for two hours and it's just like they're, they don't move. They're just, you know, their bodies can handle, uh, you know, sitting on the floor with no pillow, you know. Uh, and, but, you know, after about an hour and a half, I hurt, you know. And so, uh, and, and, it, and it felt like I had to, you know, as a Faranga Westerner, I had to, you know, kind of hold myself, you know, it's like the old kind of warrior routine. And so I sat and I suffered. Oh my God, I suffered. And one of the things, it's just like one of these, one little moment that just kind of, it enlightened this whole practice to me. And it was a moment where uh, I contracted and I had a pain in my shoulder. And in that, in a moment, it suddenly released. And in the releasing, I had a memory as a little child in the boarding school of being hit, you know. And it was one of those, it was so, it was so vivid, you know, uh, because the, this practice is about, uh, you know, creating some kind of insight into some kind of clarity. And so I had this moment where I got how this works, 
you know, that suddenly something had been stored and I had, you know, actually we react uh, out of those, uh, you know, contractions or sufferings. And that by touching that, I kind of released it and I, I, I said, oh, I know how this works now, you know? I had an inkling of what it was and I'd been told about it, but I hadn't really, this was a kind of a straight experience of what letting go was about, you know? And it had, the, it had the memory, it had all the pieces to it, and it's never come up again in my life, you know? And it gave me that confidence that, you know, if you can kind of handle uh, this practice and kind of sit there and sometimes it's not so comfortable. But in essence, and maybe this is all as teachers we have, but we're confident in how this works. Maybe that's the biggest piece we have. You know, we're confident. And that, you know, you're going you're gonna to have stuff here. Uh, and, and the body is, uh, is, uh, you know, is such a great teacher. But it's also, you know, as, as a culture, uh, we have been really, uh, you know, I mean, it is, a, a, excuse me, a disembodied culture. You know, uh, and there was reason for it. We separated out, you know, sometimes for fear, sometimes for pain, uh, sometimes for, um, you know, dissociation of some kind that we just abandoned, we abandoned ourselves, you know. And this is uh, kind of, a, a, to me, is kind of a cultural piece of why, you know, in some ways we're in our heads so much, you know. And that uh, we think somehow that, you know, you can outthink all this. You know? You tried that one? You know? And really, uh, it's just like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll, I'll think it, you know? In a way, what this is asking is, you know, uh, can you touch in? Uh, you know, if it's just as simple as, you know, uh, this is all it is, is that the truth about putting your attention in your breath in your body. The simplicity of this is that if you do that, and if you keep repeating that, where are you? You're always in present time. The cultural conditioning is to wander off into story and thought, past, memories, future, plans. You know, some of us are really good at plans where like, you know, this is like a habit pattern, you know? But it's all, those are all kind of, they're useful, but they're, so much of it is disembodied compared to what this is all about, you know? And so we come here to begin to own, you know? Uh, own your past. I, I really thought, you know, when I first came to these practices in India in the 60s, you know, I thought, oh, you know, I'd had so many, so much problem. And I thought, oh, when, I'd went, when I went to India, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, because I believed in this thing, maybe I could transcend. I could, you know, all the, all, so many things taught me I could maybe transcend my past, who I was and how it was. You know, and uh, I remember one of my uh, teachers, Lamba Tupanyeshi, you know, uh, over, but this was when Kathmandu was just a big rice field, really. And um, and he lived in the old astrologers uh, building in Kathmandu. Now it's a big monastery, but you know, 
But one of the things, you know, it's like you have these moments where something is said. And, you know, sometimes it's just one little thing, you know, and we talked a lot. And um, he just said, you know, you've caught it wrong. You know, you think somehow that by going out there, uh, you'll be free. And he, 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 and it was a very physical thing. And he pointed and he kind of pointed to my chest, but he pointed to my body and said, you know, you have to go through this, you know. And um, I really didn't want to hear that, you know, because I was just hoping I could, you know, um, bypass, you know. We were really good in the 60s. It's called spiritual bypass. You've heard of that, you know. And uh, so we just wanted to transcend, you know. And, you know, then from there I went to India and I spent, you know, I've spent a dozen years in Asia and I learned that I had to actually uh, own. Uh, own it. And uh, over the years, again and again, I realized, uh, you know, this is, this is your home. You know, you live in this thing, you know. And uh, it is your only vehicle, by the way. This, this is it, you know. And so, in a way, it's coming to terms with it. And that, um, you know, what's the breath? The breath is what? It's actually uh, there all the time. And uh, is what? Is something that a majority of humanity does not notice, Right? You know, so we come here actually to notice something uh, very simple, uh, which is uh, only in present time uh, and has a power, you know, and that power is to untangle, you know, because the the fundamentals of insight uh, are really based on kind of lining up, lining up the kind of fickleness of your mind. Uh, which is disaster, by the way, uh, and uh, the body and your heart. You know, if they line up, then we have kind of a, a deep insight into not just, this is not just about your story, by the way. You know, this is about our story. It's about this connecting uh, deeper to how, uh, how uh, we operate. And if we can kind of connect to how we operate, then we kind of know how everybody else operates. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the great gifts that happens when you kind of shut up and sit down and uh, you uh, practice um, you know, just being with the breath, being with the body, um, you know, not obsessing about the past or calculating the future. Uh, that there is this lining up that begins to happen. And that lining up uh, starts out simply releasing. But eventually, you know, this is a practice of awakening. Doesn't this sound good? You know, we're here, the living awareness, you know? And that that is something that uh, is, first of all, it's your birthright. This is not something you get, okay? This is something you realize, it's different than getting, you know. And you begin to realize that there's this living awareness that is not just holding this, you know, body and this story, 
uh, about who you think and how you think everything is. It's really holding the whole of humanity, you know. Uh, and that is your birthright, you know. And you have to sit sometimes, and I think sometimes one of the biggest, biggest pieces here, you know, to learn, it's a, it's a word called patience, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's confounding, you know. And it's really uh, through repetition that, and uh, sometimes the discomfort of the body uh, kind of sitting there. And you begin, you know, every time that you bring your attention to your body and you actually kind of uh, relate to it, you, you have a, a relation to it, you know. There is a, a very simple thing that's not something intellectually you're getting but you're getting in micro, kind of micro moments. And that is something that, you know, you could say that the process is, it's called letting go, you know? And yet it doesn't appear that way. But it's these moments where instead of moving or uh, trying to figure out, is you stay, you know, you stay connected. And in that connection, uh, one begins to release and relieve, you know, and actually own, uh, really, to me, what, what this is all about, you know. One of the uh, interesting pieces that happens here is that, and you, something that we traditionally, these, these difficulties are things that we have to come into relationships with. And, uh, you know, and I like to think of it as through the body in some way, that these are, uh, they are simply things uh, that arise due to causes and conditions, uh, but they're very enticing, you know. And the first one is simply, you know, um, we're, we're simple creatures. Uh, we want pleasantness. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with pleasantness. But there is a trick in pleasantness. And that pleasantness is, it easily falls into a state which is actually not so healthy. And it's called wanting, you know. And wanting is not actually pleasant, you know. It's somehow that we're, we're leaning out of the present towards something, you know. And we think somehow that we can capture it or hold it or, or make it, you know, uh, or make it bigger or better or whatever, you know, it's the ultimate chocolate or something, you know. And um, it's, not the, it's, not, it's not the chocolate, okay? It's actually that, that kind of state of uh, desire or wanting that then uh, creates its own uh, dilemma, you know. And so we have to start waking up and sometimes, you know, uh, for me, it was always one of the things I learned was about this thing about uh, sitting up straight and kind of holding this posture. And that as soon as I began to want, and what happened? I would actually lean out of the present and lean forward. I was trying to lean into the future on some level to capture or hold or recreate or enlarge or whatever. You know, it's just... That was the, natu the nature of wanting. And it can be actually felt 
as a body sensation. It's like, oh, there I am. I'm kind of leaning out of the present towards, you know? And it's really helpful to recognize, you know, it may seem subtle, but it's identifiable. And its opposite uh, is, uh, you know, uh, aversion, fear. Uh, you know, you could put judgment in there. You could. There's uh, all the aversive states, you know. But what is it? It's uh, this condition. Uh, in as far as body goes, is we're we're kind of pushing away from what's what's happening, you know. And sometimes, you know, uh, in either, either state, uh, we go into our head, you know. And this is saying, no, I'm going to stay and feel what it's like. What's it feel like to be afraid? What's it feel like, you know, to recognize that you're uh, contracted and that, you know, what is the result of that contraction is, is you may get judgmental. You, you've heard of this one, you know. It's like, oh my God, you know, uh, it should be this way. You know, and uh, so this is wrong. You know, so just this is all. It's just this subtle movements of towards and away from. You know, uh, the other traditional pieces here uh, are uh, simply, which are again, uh, one of them. I think you have you're learning about. Uh, you know, it used to be when I teach with Jack Cornfield, he's such a beautiful voice, you know, and I taught with him a lot. And when he would open his mouth, for some reason I would immediately go to sleep, you know, <laughs> and I would, I was a bobber, you know, I would be sitting there bobbing away, you know, and, um, you know, he was so tolerant of me, you know. Um, but that's what I did. I would bob and, 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 and uh, you know, stay awake. And uh, it comes. And I, I really encourage you, one of the wonderful things here is when uh, that, that, you know, if you've rested, you may not be fully rested yet, you know. Uh, depends on, the, you know, I think, again, that cultural conditioning, which is so, um, you know, it's so stressful and busy, is uh, you just may need to take a nap. But, if you feel like you're kind of awakened there and yet you're kind of falling off, there are two kind of levels of that. One of them is, I think standing is, is really helpful. You know, it's just stand. Because there's so much in standing in, uh, uh, in the kind of the, from the middle ear, the incredible amount of movement goes on that keeps you, uh, keeps you upright, you know. Open your eyes, take a few deep breaths, you know. I could say if you weren't in this room, you could holler, but that will keep, we'll stay out of that. But you can, you know, bah! it's a typical uh, kind of Tibetan way of kind of breaking through, you know. But okay, enough of that, you know. Um, so there is, you know, this slugginess and sleepiness. I remember one of my uh, friends, Shinjin Young, used to say, well, you know, feel, you know, open your eyes and feel the, the, uh, you know, as they began to droop, and I always went, You're kidding me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Boing! <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I think it's a nice idea, but, you know, that's not who I am or where I practice. But maybe for you, maybe you can, you know, feel that, you know? And that 
can wake you up. It's just, uh, you know, there, there are many kind of aspects. Sometimes I think uh, you get sleepy and, and, you know, the metta practice, the loving kindness practice, you know, it bringing a sense of uh, loving kindness. It, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's ability to balance uh, these uh, kind of states like sleepiness, you know. So you have that. You have also the opposite to that, uh, which we have to deal with here. And uh, I hope you don't, you know, but there's a thing called restless. And, uh, you know, it's like, it can be like ants crawling on you, you know. Uh, it can be very um, disheartening because, again, you just want to get out of here, you know. Uh, and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the kind of antidote to it is uh, to suffer. You know, is you just stay with the you stay with the restlessness. You know, and what you have to remember is that all these are states, so they don't stay. They are impermanent phenomena, due to certain causes and conditions. You know, and that's very much a physical one. Now, there's also another one that um, it can be quite disheartening, and, and I think you've heard of it. It's called worry, and I hope you don't don't do this, but, uh, you know, it's kind of the middle of the night, uh, you wake up and you, um, you know, have this little problem or, or fear or, or obsession or whatever, and suddenly, you know, it takes you over. And, you know, in the middle of the night, you really can't think very clear, you know? So you can kind of jump on that train of association and um, cause yourself incredible amounts of suffering. You know, and one of the things, if you look at it closely, and this is from kind of uh, looking at it, is it's usually just a string of words in your mind. You know, I had I had a thing where, um, you know, when when I've, I, I like everybody, I have stuff, and it's like I have all kinds of messy stuff, like everybody, and so I'd wake up and I go, oh, that, oh, I need to do something about that. No, I don't. So I would put my attention in my feet. And I still, I kind of have this buzz in my head and I'll go and just kind of stay with the buzz sometimes. And other times I'll just go to my feet and I say, I don't want to get on that train, you know? I, I don't need this train. It's not, I'm not going to settle anything in the middle of the night, you know? Uh, and majority of the time it works for me, you know? So it, it can be really helpful, you know? Because worry is, is, is you know, it, it's, it's extra, and it's disturbing and uh, can lead to a lot of, uh, you know, later complexities, you know. So get off it, you know. So, uh, and then the, the kind of next one here, which is the kind of last of these, is, uh, you know, uh, there are kind of two kinds of doubt. And one of them is, you know, it is, uh, I'll call it the big doubt, and it's, and, and it's actually quite uh, helpful in some ways. And uh, as a culture, one of the wonders, I think, of the Western culture, uh, which, you know, living in Asia, one of the things is that they are, they have so, they're so, um, you know, um, they're so faithful, you know, and, and they have such humility around um, how they see things. And here, we are the doubters, you know? And those of you that are here, you didn't stay in your own religions or whatever, you came here, 
So I know who you are, you know? Uh, and, you know, it, there's an advantage to it, and there's also a disadvantage, you know? Uh, and uh, the advantages that got you here. That's about what I'll say. The disadvantage is that there is kind of a deep-seated sense of, like, I'm not enough, you know? And, that, and so there is the proverbial seeker uh, who actually never stops, you know? And I certainly am, was one of those, and maybe that's, some parts of me still are. But it, it's always seeking, you know? And ultimately, you have to stop seeking, you know? Because it is based, it's based on this doubt about who you are or how the system works or something. And um, if you could kind of put your attention uh, in your body and begin to trust that what is it that knows, you know, and I go back to my Lama Dupanyeshin, you know, and for them, they... Uh, they point here and say, we say heart, they say mind, you know. And so that your mind is here, but your mind is part of your heart, you know. It's not up in your head. And it's, it's a, it, to me, it's a great relief, you know, and that I can really uh, teach myself to begin to trust that somehow instead of doubting myself about I can't do this or it's too much, I begin to trust that, you know, this is enough. I'm enough, you know. And I trust a practice that's almost 2,600 years old. That's probably old now, but, but from the Buddhist time, you know. It has, so many people have awakened over the centuries, you know. We are just, you know, sometimes I feel like we're just part of a, of, of a wave that's been going on, that w- that's been gifted to us, you know. And that uh, you can begin to, in a sense, kind of, uh, you know, um, kind of being part Native American, I always think, oh, there is kind of the, the, the ancestors uh, are here on some level supporting us uh, in uh, what's happening, you know. So you're not here alone, you know, and not just family or friends or whatever. There is a whole uh, um, support uh, that is here, you know. Anyway, I hold it that way. Uh, a last piece here before I kind of finish up. Uh, my teacher, Manindra, you know, I, I was, I, this one my, in the 60s, and I, we'd go and my friend was Joseph Goldstein. We'd go and there'd be like six or eight people at the sitting, you know? And Manindra would be there teaching. Sometimes you'd sit there for two hours and teach. Um, but one of the things was we'd come in and, you know, and it's kind of like nobody's there, right? You know? And he would say, oh, there's so many here. And you go, where? You know? And from his system, you know, he said, when we teach the Dharma, that, you know, the tree spirits... The, all the unseen, they love the Dharma. You know, and here, if you notice the animals around here, have you noticed? You know, they love the Dharma. And, and they, they, you know, they have been transformed by uh, the love and quietude and uh, this uh, lineage that's kind of uh, holds them. And they feel safe, 
You know, and the first thing is this practice is basically uh, to actually, to really let go. There are two things. One is to feel safe. And the other one is kind of build the sense of faith, you know, and, and sada, it's, you know, it can be called confidence, but I think, and faith is a little funny word in our culture, but uh, there is, ultimately has to be this uh, enough uh, faith to completely surrender, you know. Sound good? You got to work on it. It's okay. You know, you're not going to get it at once. So anyway, I'm going to kind of read my poem again, and then, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Wobbling is like this. Shades of sleepiness. Mind spinning. Holding court with memories. Body. Resisting. Creaking. Or was it just hollering? Why did I come? How to begin again? Knowing all about endings. Knowing all about endings. Could it be so simple, this letting go of everything? Starting to practice again, breath appears. Where no breath was noticed before, life. Life holding itself. These magical displays, breath enters. Giving and taking. A wilderness of unforeseen chaos, always reorganizing itself. A wilderness of unforeseen chaos, always reorganizing itself. Inhale, exhale, in, out. Looking carefully, close in, body, mind, befriended. A sense of ease. I knew you came to awaken. Relaxing in the center of this pleasant and unpleasant dance. Oh my, the bell rings. Leaving the whole valley waiting. All disappearing and reappearing. Disappearing and reappearing. Heart quivers. So let's just sit for a moment. So, get over yourself.
too expensive. So, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.